Amen. Well, good morning, Haynes Creek. I hope you all are doing well. It is good to be with you today. My name is Travis, I'm the pastor here. And uh, thank you again for, uh, for joining us. Uh, you find us here uh, walking through uh, the, the book of Acts. And today, church, today is, is our last Sunday in the book of Acts. We spent almost a year in this incredible book. We started at the end of last January, and here we are uh, mid-January finishing out. Uh, so if you have your Bibles, you can go ahead and open up to, to Acts chapter 28. And as you turn there, uh, I want to give you an update on some things. So today we, we close out Acts. Uh, the next two Sundays, I really encourage you be here for the next two Sundays. Uh, we're going to take two weeks uh, to really focus on who we are as a church and what that means for us going into this new, new year, 2023. I'm calling it Vision Sunday. So uh, we're going to spend two weeks. First week, we're going to talk high level who we are. Uh, we talk about this a lot, but we believe Haynes Creek exists to be a church that loves God, loves people, and makes disciples. So we're going to talk high level what that means when we say those words. What are we talking about? And then the following Sunday, last Sunday in January, the 29th, we're going to talk about, okay, what does that mean for us in 2023? Because you can't do all things for everything, right? you got to focus on something. So what are we going to focus on? What are, what's our prayer? What's our hope? What's our heart for 2023? So, so if you can, church, I would really encourage you to be here for these next two Sundays. It's really important for us as a church. And then uh, February 5th, we are going to start a brand new sermon series that we are calling Good News. Good News, the message of God uh, to the world, God's message to the world. So this is focusing all on the gospel. What is God's message? What is the gospel? When we talk about that, what do we mean? What is God saying through his word to us as people and to the rest of the world? So we're going to talk about uh, what it means, what the gospel means, what, what, what scripture tells us about God's message, uh, salvation, what that means when we talk about being saved, what are we talking about there, the implications of that salvation. So that's going to start on Sunday, February 5th. Great opportunity to start inviting folks. Uh, next week we should have these little business size card, invite cards for you to pass out hand out to folks as you interact with people. We're also doing a new thing as a church. We're going to send out a mailer uh, to people in this area, kind of, again, just spreading the word about Haynes Creek and what's, what we're doing here. So trying some new stuff with this new series. So great time to, uh, to start inviting, getting the word out, um, and I'm excited to start that series. But, but we, got, we got some work to do here in the book of Acts. So uh, again, we're, we're going to finish up, and, and last week we, we saw Paul finally get on a boat to go to Rome, right? We've been, we've been reading for chapters and chapters about, about Paul eventually getting to Rome. Well, here we go. He finally is ready to go, gets on this boat, ready to make his way to Rome. And man, it is just problem after problem after problem. The winds are against them. This big storm comes in. And then we, we end chapter 27 with a shipwreck. This ship hits some, some, a sandbar, some rocks, whatever it was in, in the ocean. It, it breaks apart. And we end chapter 27 with everybody from this ship, over 200 people swimming to shore to this, this random island in the Mediterranean. They have no idea where they are. They don't have no idea where, how close, how far away they are from Rome. Uh, and that's where we end chapter 27. So now we're going we're gonna to pick up here in chapter 28. We're going to see the end of Acts. And endings can be tricky, right? Endings can be tough. Endings can be difficult. No matter what you're reading, what you're watching, you know, stories uh, or, or books or, or a movie or TV show, endings 
can be tough, right? Landing that plane, coming to the end, coming to the close, and some endings can be satisfying and, and, and some can't, right? Like maybe uh, there, there's a twist ending or a surprise ending or, or some things are just, just left undone. Like maybe some of you out there are like, man, I really need like a, a good satisfying ending. So if I'm reading a book, if I'm watching a show, like don't give me a cliffhanger, wrap everything up nice and neat. My dad's like that. My dad very much wants a happy ending to anything that he's watched. Like he, is, he has stopped a movie midway that he knows that I've seen and called me and said, I need to know the ending right now. I'm like, no, I'm not going to do that. He's like, well, then I'm not watching it anymore. I'm like, why does that matter? It doesn't, the ending doesn't matter as much. He's like, it's a good movie. Just watch. He's like, nope, can't do it. So I have to tell him the ending. And if it's bad in any way that he decides, he's like, I'm, I'm done. I'm done with that. Not going to watch it. I'm like, I don't need, well, okay, whatever. So if it's not a happy ending, like it just ruins everything for him. Uh, I remember uh, when the first Lord of the Rings movie came out. I don't know if you guys remember this uh, a couple decades ago now. It's like 20 years ago now. But when it came out, I, I, I was still in high school. I had, I had no idea about the Lord of the Rings. I had, I had no what, no knowledge of anything about that. Looked like a cool movie. So I went and saw it, and that movie ends with the main character Frodo and his buddy Sam. They're trying to get to some place, if you know the story. They're trying to get to this place called Mortar. I know, I'm a nerd. But anyways, trying to get there. And the movie like just ends with them like not even halfway there. I'm like, it, we're, we're just done? Like, we're just, we're just over this? I, I found out later, like, this is part one of a three-part book series. I'm like, oh, okay, there's, there's more coming. But in that moment, I was like, seriously? That's how it ends? What are we doing here? So anyways, but endings, endings can be tough, right? So let's see how the book of Acts ends here. Chapter 28, starting in verse 1. It says, Once safely ashore, we learned that the island was called Malta. The local people showed us extraordinary kindness. They lit a fire and took us all in since it was raining and cold. As Paul gathered a bundle of brushwood and put it on the fire, a viper came out and because of the heat and fastened itself on his hand. I mean, come on now, like a shipwreck, it's cold, it's raining, and now he gets bit by his snake. Like, man, that, that's just a tough way to go, man. This is just rough. When the local people saw the snake hanging from his hand, they said to one another, this man, no doubt, is a murderer. Even though he has escaped the sea, justice has not allowed him to live. But he shook the snake off into the fire and suffered no harm. They expected that he would begin to swell up or suddenly drop dead. After they waited a long time and saw nothing unusual happen to him, they changed their minds and said he was a god. Man, what a way to, like Paul, you go from a murderer to a god in just a little bit of time. Like, that's impressive work. Well done, Paul. Man, goodness gracious. So now they're like, who is this guy? All right, so verse 7. Now in the area surround, around that place, there was an estate belonging to the leading man of the island named Publius, who welcomed us and entertained us hospitably for three days. Publius's father was in bed suffering from fever and dysentery. Paul went to him, and praying and laying his hands on him, he healed him. After this, the rest of those on the island who had diseases also came and were healed. So they heaped many honors on us, and when we sailed, they gave us what we needed. After three months, we set sail in an Alexandrian ship that had wintered at the island with the twin gods as its, as its figurehead. Putting in at Syracuse, we stayed three days. From there, after making a circuit along the coast, we reached Regium. After, a, uh, after one day, a south wind sprang up, and the second day, we came to Putoli. There, we found brothers and sisters and were invited to stay a week with them. And so, we came to Rome. Now, brothers and sisters from there had heard the news about us and had come to meet us as far as the Forum of Appius and the Three Taverns. When Paul saw them, he thanked God and took courage. When we entered Rome, Paul was allowed to live by himself with the soldier 
who guarded him. Okay, again, we got, we got our map here. Let's just make sure we're all on the same page. What's going on here? So they, they crash, shipwreck right there at the island of Malta, which you can see all the way to the left side of the map. And they, they landed in a place that's now called St. Paul's Bay, which is really cool. So uh, they, they landed it in Malta, and then they get on board another Alexandrian ship, kind of the same thing that we saw last week, this big grain freighter, this big, huge ship that had wintered there. I'm sure they were having flashbacks, like, really, here we go again. Like, I wouldn't have gotten on that boat, but they did. And then they, they sail from there to the port city Syracuse on the island of Sicily there. And then they get to the southern tip of Italy and Regium. And they, they sail up to Petoli, which is, which is modern-day Naples. That's right around there, uh, Naples for us today. So that's, that's where they go. And then they make the rest of the trip to Rome on foot. So now Paul finally is at Rome. And we find out he's, he's under house arrest. Like Paul's getting some freedom here, right? He's, able, he's not locked away in a prison. Like he's in a house. He's able to live there. But he is still under guard. He's still under watch. He doesn't have just complete freedom free reign. So he's still kind of in prison, but he's on house arrest, which is pretty nice. Verse 17, let's see what happens here in Rome. After three days, he called together the leaders of the Jews. When they had gathered, he said to them, brothers, although I have done nothing against our people or the customs or our ancestors, I was delivered as a prisoner from Jerusalem into the hands of the Romans. After they examined me, they wanted to release me since there was no reason for the death penalty in my case. Because the Jews objected, I was compelled to appeal to Caesar, even though I had no charge to bring against my people. For this reason, I've asked to see you and speak to you. In fact, it is for the hope of Israel that I'm wearing this chain. Then they said to him, we haven't received any letters about you from Judea. None of the brothers has come and reported or spoken anything evil about you. But we want to hear what your views are, since we know that people everywhere are speaking against this sect, against Christianity is what they're talking about there. After arranging a day with him, many came to him at his lodging. From dawn to dusk, he expounded and testified about the kingdom of God. He tried to persuade them about Jesus from both the law of Moses and the prophets. Some were persuaded by what he said, but others did not believe. Disagreeing among themselves, they began to leave after Paul made one statement. The Holy Spirit was right in saying to your ancestors through the prophet Isaiah when he said, Go to these people and say, You will always be listening, but never understanding. And you will always be looking, but never perceiving. For the hearts of these people have grown callous. Their ears are hard of hearing, and they have shut their eyes. Otherwise, They might see with their eyes and hear with their ears, understand with their heart, and turn, and I would heal them. Therefore, let it be known to you that this salvation of God has been sent to the Gentiles. They will listen. Paul stayed two whole years in his own rented house, and he welcomed all who visited him, proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. And with that, the book of Acts comes to a close. Now, maybe you're like me, you read that, and you're like, wait, that, that's, that's, that's how we're ending? That's, I mean, this whole thing has been about Paul getting to Rome, and here he is in Rome, and he's like, I appeal to Caesar, I'm going to stand before Caesar. And it's like, it just, it just ends? It just, it just kind of drops off a cliff there, right? There's no trial, there's no standing before Caesar. It's like, what? I, 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 I need more. Luke, I need more. I don't know if you guys read that, and you're like, man, I need, I need to know more. Like, that's, that's how I was. And I read them like, I need to know more. But I think there's good reason that Luke does this. I think there's good reason that he ends Acts like this. And and, and I think one of the reasons that he does this is he draws attention to the entire point of Acts. See, Acts is not Paul's story. 
not just about Paul. Sure, we've been following Paul's story since Acts chapter 13, right? Almost uh, more than half of the entire book of Acts is focused on Paul and his ministry. But that's not what the book of Acts is about. The book of Acts is not about Paul. It's about God. It's about God. God is the hero. God is the main character of the entire book of Acts. And I want to remind us of something that, that we said all the way back at the beginning. Some of y'all may have been here. I know I'm not expecting you to remember this. It was almost a year ago, so you probably don't remember this. That's why I want to refresh our memory. What is the book of Acts about? The book of Acts is all about the people of God expanding the kingdom of God by sharing the message of God through the power of God. That's what the message is about. That's what Acts is all about. And Acts 28 reminds us of that very thing. It reminds us that the point of Acts is all about God's mission through his people. It's not just about one person. It's not just about a handful of people. It's about all of God's people, the church, working towards God's mission together. That's what the book of Acts is about. Acts 28 reminds us of this very truth. So I want to I spend our, our last chapter, our last Sunday in Acts, reflecting not only on what Acts 28 teaches us, but, but really looking at the entirety of the book of Acts. What, what are some things that we've learned? What are some things that we, we see about God's work in the book of Acts and what that means for us today? And specifically what Acts 28 reminds us of is, is the mission and the method. The mission and the method. So that's where we're going today, the mission and the method. It reminds us of the mission of God, and then it reminds us of the method for accomplishing that mission. So let's, let's spend our time talking about that. The first thing, the mission. What, what, is, <clears throat> what is the mission of Acts? Ah, we say this all the time, right? The, the, the book of Acts is focused on the mission of God. Now, what is that mission? That's why I, I reread what, what Acts is all about. The mission is expanding God's kingdom. That's what Acts is all about. It's expanding the kingdom of God. The mission is to see God's kingdom, God's rule and reign happen here on this earth and, and spread all over in the hearts of his people. Like that's what Acts is all about. That's what, that's what the story of scripture is all about. It's all about God's kingdom growing and expanding. That's what it's about. That's what the book of Acts is focused on. It's focused on seeing people go from the kingdom of darkness and sin and by God's grace being brought into the kingdom of his light and his salvation. That's what it's about. Jesus reminds us of this all the way back in Acts chapter 1. We, we read this when, when Acts starts. Remember the, the timing and place. This happens weeks after Jesus has been crucified and raised from the dead. This is right before he ascends back into heaven. And this is what he says in Acts 1, 6 through 9. So when they had come together, that's the disciples, they asked him, that's Jesus. So when the disciples had come together, they asked Jesus, Lord, are you restoring the kingdom to Israel at this time? Now let's pause there for a second. What they're asking about is an earthly kingdom. See, there was this Old Testament hope and expectation that when the Messiah would come, he would come and establish an earthly kingdom that he would come and defeat all of Israel's enemies, which at this time was Rome. So he would come, he'd defeat Rome, and he'd restart and, and reestablish this earthly kingdom of God. And he would be this, this military ruler. Like, that's what they're thinking. Like, so Jesus has been spending three years talking about the kingdom of God, and these guys are still like, all right, so when are we taking over the Romans? When are we doing this thing? You want to go get a sword? Let's do this right now. Like, that's, that's what we're doing, right? And she's like, whoa, no, no, no. 
No, the, the kingdom of God is more than just, it's more than something that happens here on earth in, in the physical kind of battling of the kingdoms, right? Like it, it's more than that. And here's what Jesus says. Verse 7, he said to them, it's not for you to know the times or periods that the father has set by his own authority. In other words, like guys, come on, that's the wrong question. Don't worry about that. That's not for you to figure out, okay? Here's what I want you to do. Verse 8. Don't worry about that, but here's what I want you to do. Verse 8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up as they were watching, and a cloud took him out of their sight. So they're focused on an earthly kingdom, and Jesus is far more focused. God is far more focused, far more concerned with a spiritual kingdom. It's like, look, yeah, at some point I'm going to come back and we're going to run this thing. Sure, that's going to happen. But, but until then, here's what I want you to do. I want you to be my witnesses. I want you to be my witnesses here on the earth. Tell people about me. That's how God saves. That's how God rescues. That's how God advances his kingdom. That's how the mission happens here. Jesus says a similar thing in Matthew 28, 19 through 20. We read this verse a lot. What does Jesus say, again, towards the end of his time here on earth? He says, Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. So what, what's the mission of God? What is God trying to do? What is God all about? It's that. Go and make disciples of everybody, of everybody everywhere. Go make disciples. Go be my witness in Jerusalem, in Judea, Samaria, and, and, and to the end of the earth, everywhere. Go be a witness. Go make disciples. Go tell people about me. That's the mission. That's what Acts is all about. It's all about God's followers doing just that, being his witness, telling people about Jesus and the kingdom. What's Paul doing in Rome, right? Paul is, is, is doing this every step of the way, and Rome is no different. House arrest is no different. Prison is no different. What's Paul doing in Rome? He's telling people about Jesus and the kingdom. The mission has not changed. It's the same for us today. What are we supposed to do? We are supposed to expand the kingdom by telling people about Jesus by being his witness. And look, here's the beautiful, crazy thing about that. When we do that, when we step out and be his witness and go and make disciples and, and seek to advance the kingdom, when we do that, God uses our telling, he uses our witnessing to save people. This is what Romans 10 says. Romans 10, 14 through 17 says, how then can they call on him they have not believed in? And how can they believe without hearing about him? What he's saying here is like, look, you want to see people saved? It starts with telling them. They have to first hear about Jesus before they can respond in faith. And how can they hear without a preacher? How, how can they hear without somebody telling them? And how can they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. But not all obey the gospel, for as Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our message? So faith comes from what is heard and what is heard comes through the message about Christ. Faith comes from hearing. And what are people supposed to hear? The message of Jesus. The gospel. The good news of Jesus. That's the mission. That's what we're supposed to do. That's who we are supposed to be. And look, here's, 
here's just the wild thing about that. Like, like God's sovereign, right? Like, we can, God's all-powerful. We can agree with that. Like, God can do anything that he wants to do, right? Like, I think we can safely all agree on that. And God, in his, <clears throat> in his perfect sovereignty, in his perfect wisdom, has chosen to save people by using us to tell other people about Jesus. Look, if God, if God wanted to save people by other means, he'd do that. He, he can do that, right? He can do whatever. He's God. He can do whatever he wants to do. And yet he says, you know how I'm going to save people? <clears throat> it's by using my followers to spread my message. And that's what he's called us to, church. This is the mission. This is the mission. God wants to use his people to do this. And here's the cool thing about Acts is, is Acts teaches us that, that one of the ways God uses his people is by forming us together as the church. So like Jesus gives these words and says, hey, you're, you're going to receive power from the Holy Spirit. And when you do, go and witness. And that's exactly what happens in Acts chapter 2. They, the, the disciples receive power from the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. And man, they go out and they start preaching to thousands of people and people respond and they put their faith in Jesus. And God forms the church that day. We see 3,000 people come to faith in Jesus, put their faith and their trust in him, and the church is born. But that's not the end, right? Like, we're not, okay, cool. Close up shop, y'all. We did it. We did it. We're done. No, God doesn't stop there. He doesn't want to just stop with that. That's awesome, right? That's amazing. But he's like, I'm not done. And he keeps growing the church in Jerusalem. And then we get to Acts chapter 8. Remember, we saw that where, where persecution forces the church out, right? They, they grew comfortable in Jerusalem, and God's like, nope, we're not done yet. You're going to still go. I want you to go. And you know what? I'm going to force you out by persecution. So he forces the church out of Jerusalem. People go to Judea and Samaria. Oh, that sounds familiar. That's exactly what Jesus said they were supposed to do. And the gospel spreads from there. In Acts chapter 10, we see God lead Peter to a Gentile's house, Cornelius, a Roman officer, to preach the gospel. And he, he responds and put his faith in Jesus. And then that, that, that moment tells us that God's just not saving Jewish people. Like the gospel is not just for the Jews, it's also for the Gentiles. It's for everybody. It's for the whole world. In Acts chapter 11, we see some unnamed Christians go and plant a church in the city of Antioch. We don't even know who these people are. And they plant a church that becomes this missionary hub. Remember, Antioch is the church that sent Paul out on his missionary trips. We don't know who plant, we have no idea. God's just using his followers to, to expand his mission. Like, this is what God does. And then in Acts chapter 13, beginning from there, we see God use Paul to go all over the Roman Empire doing the exact same thing. And that brings us to the end in Acts 28. And I love that, that we see believers come and meet with Paul. And in and, and, and that port city, Putoli, like, there's a church. Who started that church? I, I don't know. It wasn't Paul. We know it wasn't Paul. He hadn't gotten to Italy yet. We know it wasn't him. Who started it? We have no idea. doesn't matter. doesn't matter because that's what God does. He uses his people to expand his mission, to expand his kingdom. Who started the church in Rome? We have no idea. Church history maybe tells us Peter. We, we don't know that for sure. We're just guessing. Maybe it was him. Maybe, maybe it was some of these other unnamed Christians that are just following Jesus and telling people about him. This is what God does. This is his mission. And the sudden end to Acts, where it just stops, 
reminds us that the mission doesn't stop. It reminds us that God's mission is not done. It's not over. God wants to continue what he began in Acts today in 2023. And he wants to use his people to do that. Look, Acts can't end neatly, right? Acts can't wrap a nice little bow around God's mission because God's mission isn't done. It's not over. It continues today. God's people, God's church are still called and invited by God to participate in this mission. He's still doing it. He's still at work. And we, as the church, as individual believers that make up the church, this is what we're called to. This is what we're supposed to do. Look, we, we learn a lot about the church in, in, in the book of Acts, right? Like, there's a lot that we learn about the church. There's a lot that we learn about qualities, biblical qualities and characteristics of a church, right? We, we learn about, you know, what, what kind of gatherings looked like at that time. We learn about uh, fellowship with one another and being united together by the grace of God. We, we learn about discipleship. What does it look like to grow as a believer amongst other believers inside the church? We, we've talked about, you know, things like generosity and worship, and we could go on and on about the different qualities and characteristics of what makes a biblical church in the book of Acts. There's a long list of that. But I believe, I believe that, that what the book of Acts teaches us is that if a church is not missional, if a church is not, is not set, if the people of that church are not set on reaching other people with the gospel, seeing the kingdom advance, if the church is not set on that, if the church is not committed to that, it doesn't matter how in line with Scripture they are with everything else. You can't call yourself a truly, fully biblical church. Sure, you can gather. You can have services. You can have small groups. You can do discipleship. You can, you can do events, right? You can, you can do a bunch of really fun stuff. You can be a, a church for a really long time without focusing on the mission of God, without committing to the mission of God. But without the mission, without being dedicated to that, you can't call yourself a church that Jesus wants. You can't call yourself a fully biblical church because we're missing a really important ingredient. We're missing a big deal. We're missing a significant part of the church. So as Acts comes to a close, as we finish our time here in this book, before we go on with the other things in this sermon, I think we need to ask ourselves a question. I think those of us that would say, hey, Haynes Creek is my church. I'm committed to this place. God has brought me here. This is my church. I think we all need to ask ourselves a serious question, and that is, are, are we following in the footsteps of the churches in Acts? Are we following what God has called us to here in this book? Are we working towards the mission? Are we reaching out with the gospel? Am I, as an individual follower of Jesus, am I engaging with non-believers around me to share the hope and love of Christ? Am I living on mission? Are we a missional church? We need to ask ourselves that constantly. One of the primary reasons God created the church, what we learn in Acts 
according to Acts, one of the primary reasons God created the church is to do just this, is to accomplish his mission. And if we're not doing that, we're falling short of what Jesus wants. So we're going to ask ourselves some hard questions. Are we doing this? So we know what the mission is. I think we can be clear on the mission of the church, of us as individual believers. What are we supposed to do? It's this. It's tell people about Jesus. All right, so how do we do that? What does Acts teach us about how? So we learned the mission. What's the method? How are we to accomplish this method? How are we to be Jesus' witnesses? How are we to go and make disciples? What does that mean? Well, look, we could spend, I mean, weeks on that. Weeks on that. And we've addressed a lot of those things throughout our, our time in the book of Acts. So today I want to focus a little bit more on, on high level and, and specifically what does Acts 28 teach us about the sharing of the message. So what we said earlier was, was Acts is all about the people of God expanding the kingdom of God by sharing the message of God through the power of God. So how do we accomplish the mission? We share the message of God through the power of God. We share the gospel. We share that Jesus, Jesus, God himself, came to earth. He came here, he died, and he rose again so that he could save sinners like you and me. That's the message. That's the gospel that Jesus came to rescue and redeem us. And through faith in him, we have salvation. That's the message we're supposed to share. So what, is, what does Acts 28 teach us about the message of God, about sharing the message of God? Well, four things, and we'll close out. Four things. First one that we learn about sharing the message is we share Jesus. We share Jesus. Look at verse 23. Verse 23 here, what's, what's Paul doing here in Rome? After arranging a day with him, this is when he's trying to meet with the Jews, many came to him at his lodging. From dawn to dusk, he expounded and testified about the kingdom of God. He tried to persuade them about Jesus. Paul spends an entire day he probably could have spent days, right, like weeks doing this, every, every moment of every, like, this is who Paul is, this is what he does. What's he sharing with these people? He's sharing with them about Jesus. He's trying to persuade them about Jesus. Let me tell you about Jesus, and, I, and I'm going to call you to repent and believe in him. Like, that's what Paul is doing. When he talked, he talked about Jesus. Look at verse 30. Verse 30, Paul stayed two whole years in his own rented house, and he welcomed all who visited him. Verse 31, proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ. What was he doing? What was he talking about? He was talking about Jesus. When we share with people, when we talk with people about our faith, about, about the Bible, about Scripture, about what we believe, we talk about Jesus. For Paul, it was all about Jesus. Everything was about Jesus. And when we share, when we talk to people who, who are far from, when we talk to non-believers, what are we supposed to talk about? We talk about Jesus. We point them to Jesus. Now, why is that? Why is that? We do this because of the truth in Acts 4.12, and we see this all throughout Scripture. Acts 4.12 says, There is salvation and no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given to people by which we must be saved. And what's that name? Jesus. What's that name, church? What's that name, church? Jesus. What's that name, church? Jesus. There we go. Yes, now we're talking. Jesus. We talk about Jesus. Why? Because he's the only one who can save. 
Look, the Bible's got great practical advice and wisdom. They can teach us a lot about finances. They can teach us a lot about relationships and marriage and parenting and how to make wise decisions in life. Yes, absolutely. Should we teach on those things? Yes. Do we teach on something? Yes. Is that all we're focused on? No. Good finances can't save you. Having a good marriage is awesome. Can't save you. Knowing how to parent your kids relieves a lot of stress at home. Can it save you? No. What saves people? Jesus. So what do we talk about? What do we talk about? Jesus. Thank you. We talk about Jesus. So we share Jesus. When we share, another thing we learn here is we share with everyone. We share with everyone. Look at verse 30. Verse 30, Paul's in his rented house. What's he doing? He stays whole two whole years there. He welcomed all who visited him. Paul welcomed all. Paul shared with all. He shared, I mean, look, we just look back at his ministry, man. He, he shares with Jewish people. He shares with Gentiles. He shares with, like, just random people in the marketplace. We see him doing that all the time, like in Ephesus and in Athens. He's just, like, standing out there, something like, hey, you, 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 you want to talk about Jesus? Hey, I, you want to talk about let me, let me, hey, I got something to tell you. Let me talk to you about Jesus. Like, it's just Paul, Paul's just sharing with everyone. Anybody and everyone that he comes in contact with, he's sharing. Roman soldiers, kings, governors, does not matter. He's sharing with everyone. And the reason... The reason I think we see this in Paul so much is that he knew the truth that no one is too far gone. No one is too far gone for God to save. And the reason Paul knows that is because he wasn't too far gone. And Paul talks about this all the time in Acts and in his writings, that he, man, you want to talk about somebody who was far from God, who was God's enemy, who was literally persecuting Christians and putting them to death? Man, that was Paul. And Paul knows the truth, man. If I could be saved, if I could be saved, then anybody can. Anybody can. Paul knew the truth that there was no one too far gone. And y'all, we need to remember that truth too. Anybody in our lives that doesn't know Jesus, there is no one too far gone. So we share with everyone. Friends, family, coworkers, neighbors, the random person you come to in the, in the uh, at Kroger, whatever, like wherever you are. When you have a conversation, no, there is no one too far for God to save. And God might be using you in that exact moment to do just that. So we share with everyone. Number three, we share with boldness. We share with boldness. Again, look at how Acts ends. Paul was proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness. With all boldness, if you underline things in your Bible, that verse 31, underline with all boldness. Maybe it just says boldly. With all boldness. Uh, we, Paul shared with boldness. We, we see that all throughout his ministry, right? Like Paul gets his life threatened. He gets thrown into prison. He gets beaten. He gets stoned. He gets left for dead. He gets shipwrecked. Doesn't matter. What's he doing? He's sharing with boldness. Every chance he gets, he shares with boldness. And we've seen this all throughout Acts. Like Peter, Paul, the, all the apostles, people are, are sharing with boldness. Where to be bold to? Where to be bold to? Where to have boldness? And you might be thinking, man, like Travis, no, it's, I can't. It's, it's, too, it's too difficult. It's too, I'm too nervous. I'm too scared to share. I'll just be, I don't even, I won't even know what to say. Like just random words will come out and it won't make sense. And I, I, I'll make things worse. I'm too scared. Well, here's the thing, church. That's why we're supposed to have boldness. You don't need boldness when you're not scared. We need boldness when we're terrified, when we're scared. 
when we're nervous, when we're uncomfortable, we need boldness. So look, if you're like, man, I can't share because I'm scared, well, you're in great company. Look, even as a pastor, it's always awkward. It's always weird. You're always fumbling around. You're always like, oh, this is, I don't know how to say it's, it's always difficult. That's why Jesus calls us to have boldness. Because we need it. We need it. We need boldness. And look, here's, here's the beautiful thing about what Jesus does, is he knows he's putting us in a difficult spot sometimes, in an uncomfortable, uneasy place to be. And this is why the, the promise of Acts 1-8 is so beautiful, because what does Jesus say? You're going to have power from the Holy Spirit. And when that happens, you can be my witness. You can be bold. I mean, just think about the change that we saw in Peter, right? Like the gospel stories end with Peter just absolutely broken. Like Peter, the, this disciple who was ready to go to war with Jesus. When Jesus is arrested, Peter pulls out a sword and chops a dude's ear off. He's ready to go. And then he gets arrested. And Peter's asked three times, do you believe in Jesus? And he says no. He even cusses out a little girl saying no. He's terrified. But then we come to Acts chapter 2, and the Holy Spirit comes into Peter's heart, and he boldly proclaims Jesus to the very people that put Jesus to death just weeks before this. The same people that Peter was terrified of a few weeks ago, now he's preaching boldly. Why is that? What changed in Peter? The Holy Spirit. Y'all, if we have put our faith in Jesus, we have that same power. We have the same spirit. The Bible tells us that the, the, the spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is what woke Jesus up on, on Easter Sunday. It's what pushed that stone out of the way and Jesus stepped out of that grave. That Holy Spirit, that power is residing within us, church. It's in our hearts. It's with us. We can have boldness because, y'all, we have a power like nothing that's ever been seen before in our hearts. And Jesus says that power is for witnessing. So is it scary? Yes. Is it uncomfortable? Yes. But when we take that step of boldness, it's the power of God doing that. It's the power of the Holy Spirit. And what we need, we need to model exactly what we see from the church in Acts. What are they doing? They pray for boldness. Look at Acts chapter 4, verses 29 through 31. And this is right after the, the church faces its first a bit of persecution. Faces its first bit of persecution, and they are told, again, by the same people that put Jesus to death, Peter and John are told, you better stop talking about Jesus or else. Stop talking about him or else. You saw what we did to Jesus? We're going to do the same thing to you. All right, you better stop or else. And here's what the church does. Verse 29, they, they gather together and they're in prayer. And here's part of their prayer. It says, and now, Lord, consider their threats and grant that your servants may speak your word with all boldness. Their lives are being threatened. And they're praying, Lord, they want us to stop but we know that you don't want us to stop, so give us boldness. Give us boldness. Man, church, if, if, if they can pray and ask for boldness when their lives are being threatened, we should pray and ask for boldness in uncomfortable conversations. Give us boldness while you stretch out your hand for healing and signs and wonders are performed through your name of your holy servant Jesus. When they had prayed, the place where they were assembled was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak the word of God boldly. 
man, this is a prayer that Jesus loves to answer. There's some things we pray for and we're like, man, I'm not sure, you know, if it's going to be a yes or a no or a wait or whatever. I mean, we see those things in Scripture. Sometimes God says no. It's, it's, it's his grace. It's for our good, ultimately. But, but sometimes he says no. One of the prayers that he loves to say yes to is this one. Boldness. Because again, it's all about his mission. It's all about his mission. So pray for boldness. All right, so we see that we are to share Jesus. We are to share with everyone. We're to share with boldness, number four. We are to share with freedom. We're to share with freedom. Verse 31, again, let's look how the book of Acts ends. We're to share with freedom. It says that Paul was proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. Without hindrance. Again, if you underline things in your Bible, underline without hindrance. It's a word that that essentially means exactly what it sounds like. It's to not have any obstacles in your way. It's to do something without any obstacles, without anything prevents you from accomplishing that plan, that purpose. Now think about that for a moment. So Paul is able to share the gospel here without hindrance, but remember where Paul's at. Paul's a prisoner. Like I know he's he's, he's got his own house, and he's under house arrest, he's not in prison, but but he can't go wherever he wants to go. He can't just do whatever he wants to do. He, he is under uh, Roman custody here. He's a prisoner. And he's in, he's in Rome. I mean, just think about what we know about history from Rome, especially at this point in history where they are at the height of their power. Rome is this, this godless, pagan-filled city. I mean, just full of immorality, uh, full of wealth, full of like anything you could imagine, right? Like these people are living their best life now. Like everything is just like, this is awesome. We're in Rome and we're, we're doing great. And like there's, but at the same time, it's full of sin. It's full of immorality. It, it, it's full of just, just spiritual just battle, right? Like that's Rome. That's where Paul's at. And, and, and we're told that he's sharing the gospel without any obstacles, that sure sounds like some obstacles. You're in prison, you're under, you're under lock and key here, you're shackled in chains, and you're in this like, city that has no interest in the gospel, and yet you're able to share without any obstacles? Like That's, that's incredible. That's amazing. Paul is chained up, but the gospel is never chained up, y'all. Never chained up. Never. It goes wherever God wants it to go wherever he wants it to go. And, and God, God can and does remove any obstacle just like he does with Paul. So just like we're to pray for boldness, let, let's pray for God to remove any obstacle, right? It might be just like, oh, it's, it's you know, the timing of talking to this person is really difficult. I got to catch them at the right time. Or, you know, they've been kind of resistant or they've been kind of avoiding me. Like there are some obstacles, right? Sometimes there's obstacles to us sharing the gospel. And what we learn from Paul is, man, God, God can remove those obstacles. He can. So let's pray for God to remove them. And then let's trust him to do it, right? Let's, again, step out in faith and trust him to remove those obstacles. And look, I think what we, what we learn here from Acts is that there's mainly one obstacle for us to overcome. For us as followers and walking in obedience to this mission, right? Again, it's not on us to save people. God does the saving. But what's the one obstacle that we tend to face a lot? It's ourselves. It's ourselves. It's our willingness to walk in obedience to exactly what we see throughout the book of Acts. 
It's our willingness to live on mission. It's our willingness to talk about Jesus. It's our willingness to intentionally build relationships with people who are far from God so that by God's grace, they can come close to God. We're often the obstacle that needs to be removed. And God can do that too. Again, God wants to give us boldness. He wants to advance his kingdom. He wants to advance his mission. And he wants to use us to do it. So what's the mission? It's telling people about Jesus. It's advancing his kingdom. And the way God does that is through us, his followers. That's what the book of Acts is all about. That's what we've learned week in and week out. Acts reminds us that God has a mission. And that's to save people with the gospel, to expand his kingdom. And he's invited us his people, his church, to go and do that, to accomplish that mission. And we do that by just by telling people about Jesus, right? That's what we do. We just talk about Jesus and trust him to do his thing. That's our only job. We talk about Jesus, and we trust God with the results. And look, we, we do this because of what Romans 16 says, and this is, again, all throughout Scripture, but Romans 16 says... For I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. First to the Jew and also to the Greek. Why do we share? Why do we talk about Jesus? Why do we intentionally build relationships with those who don't know Jesus? It's because of this. It's because God saves through the sharing of his gospel message. The gospel is the power of salvation. This is why we do it, church. God has invited us in. He's called us in to participate in his mission, to participate in, in the salvation of other people. So church, w- will we say yes to that? Again, oftentimes the only obstacle that needs to be overcome is our willingness to obey. Will we say yes? And look, here's the thing. God's going to accomplish his mission with or without us. He's going to accomplish it with or without us. So Acts 28 reminds us uh, of the sad truth that, that the Jewish people, and we've seen this all throughout Paul's ministry, right? He always, he always speaks to the Jewish people first in every city that he's gone to. And Acts 28 is yet another reminder that the Jewish people have rejected God's message. They've rejected his Messiah. They, they've rejected God's mission. And their hearts have become hardened. Because of their disobedience, their, their hearts are hardened. And Paul quotes from the prophet Isaiah and says, look, this, this is y'all. You're hearing, but you're, you're, you're listening, but you're not, you're not hearing. You're receiving, but, but you're, not, you're not understanding. What he's saying there is like, you guys, you guys know the truth. You've heard it a million times. But it's not changed you. It's not affecting you. And your hearts have now become hard. Church, let, let that not be us. Let that not be us. Let, let it not be us that, that hear but, but, don't, but don't listen. That see but don't, don't truly understand what God is doing, what God wants from us. 
God is clear on what he wants from, his, from us as individual believers and, and, and the church at large. He's clear on that. Will we listen? He's going to do it with or without us. Let's make sure it's with us. Let's be with God. Let's follow him. Let's live out his mission. Let's join him in the story of Acts. So I'm going to pray for us. And we're going to do what we always do in church. We're going to step into this time of worship and communion. And, and this is a time for us as believers. I just want to encourage you, uh, you know, as always and especially today, believers in the room, spend some time in prayer. Spend some time considering these questions that, that Acts has brought up. What kind of church are we going to be? That, that's, up, that's up to us. It's not up to me. It's not up to your elders. It's up to each one of us what kind of church we're going to be. Are we going to be, are we going to be this kind of church? Are we going to be a church made in our own image, to our own preference, to our own comfort? So what, what kind of church are we going to be? What kind of individual followers of Jesus are we going to be? So I want to encourage you to spend some time in prayer. Maybe the Lord's brought up some things in our lives and in our hearts that, that we need to repent of, that we need to just sit in God's grace and forgiveness for a moment. Maybe he's brought some things to mind like, man, I need to, I need to, I need to pray even more for that person in my life that doesn't know Jesus. I need to pray for boldness. I need to pray for opportunities. I need to pray for that person to be saved. Maybe to pray for, for more opportunities, right? Maybe you're like, and you're looking, I'm like, dude, I don't, I don't know any non-Christians. I don't know any non-believers. Well, maybe we start there. Maybe we start there. Again, these are prayers that God loves to answer. So spend some time in prayer, and then as your hearts are ready, as your hearts are prepared, go and we take communion, we take the bread, we take the cup, we eat and we drink and, and we remember our good God and Savior, Jesus Christ, that he has rescued us, that he has saved us, that he has brought us into his family. And church, we, we worship. We worship and we praise him. If you're here and you don't know Jesus, this, this time is not for you. This time is not for you, but, but again, the message of the gospel is that it goes out to all, all who would believe. So if you're here and you've never put your faith in Jesus, I want to encourage you to do that today. Again, Acts 4.12, he's the only one who can save. You can look for salvation in all sorts of different things, all sorts of different people, all sorts of different uh, pleasures that we have here in this world. They cannot save. Only Jesus can save you. Only Jesus can set you free. Only Jesus can release you of the guilt and the shame that we carry. Only Jesus can do that. And all he says is, is come to me. Put your faith in me, and I got you covered. I got you covered. So if you want to do that, I'll be hanging out in the back. I'd love to chat with you today. I'd love to pray with you today, answer any questions you might have. So church, let me, let me pray for us. Jesus, we, we thank you for your word, Lord. I thank you for the gift that is the book of Acts. Lord, I thank you for this journey that we've been on. I thank you for, for all the things that you've taught me personally, Lord, and how you've grown me over the course of, of almost a year now, Lord. I pray that's the same for, for all of us as we've been journeying through this, Lord, because that, that's what your word does. It, it, it changes and shapes and forms us, Jesus. So thank you for doing that. Lord, I pray that we would be a church that, that continues 
the story of Acts, that we would come right in line with what we see over and over again through the book of Acts, that you use your people to advance your kingdom, to save and rescue the lost. Lord, would we do that? Would we walk in obedience to what you've called us to, to who you've called us to be, Lord? Not just as a church, but as individual followers of you, Lord. So Jesus, we love you. We thank you for all that you've done, Jesus. Let us walk in obedience and faithfulness to you in all ways, Lord. And thank you for your grace and your mercy and your patience with us, Lord. We love you and it's your name we pray. Amen.